Welcome everyone to this ESMO Open podcast. Uh, my name is Marina Parry and today I'm joined by Elena Anastasio, who is the Partnership and Outreach Manager, and Brett Thompson, the Scientific Outreach Manager for the MBC project uh, at the Broad Institute in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So to start, could you tell me a bit about the project itself and what the impetus was and particularly whose idea it was? Absolutely. So the MBC project is a patient partnered initiative that really aims to accelerate our understanding of metastatic breast cancer. And, you know, we know from the last five or 10 years of cancer research that studying tumor samples is really essential to understanding new patterns in metastatic breast cancer. But it's clear that more research needs to be done. Um, there's an estimated 150,000 women and men in the United States living with MBC, and more than 40,000 who die from it every year. So though treatments have been improving, there's currently no cure for metastatic breast cancer. And a lot of what we don't understand is why therapies work for some people and not for others, and why patients become resistant to therapies. So we really believe that we need to understand the biology of metastatic breast cancer better. But with that being said, we also know that 85% of US cancer patients are treated in community settings where they're not typically asked to contribute to research and where most tumor samples are sitting on shelves not being available for study. So the thought and the impetus for this project was really, what if we asked patients if they'd be willing to participate in this new type of research where they can sign up via a website no matter where they live, no matter where they're treated, you know, kind of low stakes in terms of the work for them to sign up and really partner with them to accelerate research and begin to learn more about the biology. This new opportunity really came about in this era where there's more and more people who are internet and tech savvy, more people who are engaged in social media and through advocacy partners, really allowing for this new opportunity to partner directly with patients to drive research. So the project was started in October 2015 um, and is led by Nick Wagley, who is a breast cancer oncologist and researcher, and Corey Painter, who is a scientist, an advocate, and also a cancer patient herself and really built out from the very start with patients and with advocacy partners, as well as the support of many here at the Bird Institute, at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston, and again with the support of patients and partners. And the aim of the project is really, it's a patient-partnered initiative that aims to accelerate our understanding by generating a massive database of information that's widely and openly shared with the public. And Brett will talk a little bit more about that in a little bit as well. Excellent. Thank you very much. It sounds incredibly exciting. Were there any challenges you uh, experienced in setting this project up? Um, how long did, did the setup take and, and have things accelerated uh, recently, in your opinion, in terms of sign up? Yeah, I think that the, the challenges in, in doing this kind of project was that um, there was really no model or no template. And this is not the standard kind of research projects that scientists like myself and others are used to kind of doing in the lab. It's a really new way of thinking about research. And so um, just thinking about how to kind of get started uh, once this kind of idea was championed by Nick and Corey and others um, in, in kind of really how to start framing that out. But moreover, the realization that to have pa patients really partners all the way from the start, we needed to do a lot of collectively uh, relationship and, and trust building. So it's not really feasible to expect that you can kind of put your flag out or hang your shingle and people will come flocking to you. And so I think 
many, many months, if not years, even in advance of the official launch of the project, were spent with discussions with patients, with advocacy partners, and other people that are stakeholders in this field to understand what's the best way to approach this and how can we work together and uh, make sure that we're speaking a common language that resonates and is easily understood by everyone um, so that they know what is involved, what is likely to come out of it, and how this will hopefully impact um, them and future generations. And so I think there was a lot of initial kind of relationship um, building that needed to be done to kind of lay the groundwork for this project. And I think, um, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about this, but, you know, kind of once we were able to kind of identify people and patients that were important partners uh, at the beginning of the project, that has really helped us over time. And, and what you'll hear more about is that really the best people to speak to patients are other patients. And so we can see in terms of enrollment of people directly involved in this project over time and large increases on a given day might be specifically linked to an individual person's post on a Facebook page. And so those kind of things are really interesting for us to think about um, how this project is growing and how we can learn from that to continue expanding our reach of this project. Excellent. Um, did you experience any legal hurdles? Um, so obviously, ESMO, we're based in, in Europe and there might be different laws surrounding data sharing and, and that sort of thing. Um, what was your experience in the, in the States? Yeah, we haven't had any you know, legal hurdles. I think the primary hurdles that we've had are more operational. So, you know, as Brett spoke about, this is really a new method of research. Typically, I'm assuming it's the same there, typically research is conducted at one site or a, a small number of sites with a you know, collaboration set up and actual um, partnership with different institutions to get, for example, medical records and tumor tissue. In this case, we're asking patients to sign up directly and sign an electronic consent to allow us to request their medical records from wherever they've been treated and request those stored samples. And so figuring out how to do that, how to request records from places that typically are only used to being asked that for research with internal projects, um, figuring out how to get those records physically here when they live in all different systems and, and databases, figuring out whether we could you know, get people to use these kits that we send out to collect saliva and blood and how we kind of package those to make, again, the burden as easy as possible on people. Those were more the, the hurdles that we've been, you know, working to overcome and, and increasing our processes to, to really expedite and help with. I, I can sympathize with that. I've worked on some obviously smaller projects than yours, but the, uh, the operational challenges I sympathize with. Um, conversely, were there any aspects of the projects that were particularly easy uh, or easier than you expected, maybe? Yeah, I think that one of the most exciting things, maybe both at the beginning, but to be honest, throughout, and as I think all of us on the team would speak to, kind of the response that we've gotten from patients, from people who uh, have been impacted by this disease and the families that have been impacted by this disease. So I think there's really been a lot of what we would kind of consider more organic growth and increase in people that are engaged and want to participate and want to share their medical records and tissue and so forth um, by, by partnering with patients early and, and advocacy partners. It's a really much bigger response, frankly, than we even expected. And that's been really exciting. And so I think we 
you know, maybe tapped into kind of a latent enthusiasm or interest out there for, um, you know, people to feel like they're contributing to something that may or may not impact them, but hopefully will impact uh, people in the future and to feel like they're able to give back, but also that they have a, a stake in it and they are, again, direct partners throughout the entirety of the project. And so um, we've really relied on, on their feedback and their ideas to shape and improve this, and we continue to do so. Um, and so we've been really excited and impressed by the response of people to this project. I, I've had experience working with patients as well, and uh, I think I agree with you. There's, there's often a, a very positive reaction you get. Have you had any pushback from any patients? Do you find patients are quite informed about things like consent and data sharing? Um, or are they just very, yes, absolutely, I will join, uh, tell me where to sign up? Yeah, I think for, you know, for the most part, people are really excited about the project and patients are, are just interested in jumping in and spreading the word about it. And as Brett mentioned, you know, our biggest jumps in enrollment have been not from us sharing anything, but individual patients sharing information in their own communities. And the patient voice is really incorporated into what we do every day. Um, we really believe this is a true partnership. And because of that, I think patients are really, really proud to be a part of it and are very, very positive about it for the most part. With that being said, as Brett spoke about earlier, you know, building the project from the start, it was really about spending the time listening and talking to people, building trust, hearing from different people in the community about what mattered to them, what resonated to them, and what their concerns were. But I think because there's been so much time spent and, you know, that's so important to the work that we do every day, that there's some people who in the beginning were maybe a little bit unsure about the project who have since seen, you know, this true partnership develop and are now some of the biggest supporters. That's really good to hear. I'm, I'm really pleased. If we move on maybe to the project itself and talk about maybe how long it's intended to last for, um, who's funding it, what, what your plans for the data are, um, and, and where you see it sort of uh, going from here. Yeah, we, we're happy to speak to that. So I think that... Um, Really, the aims of the project is, as previously mentioned, to really generate a large set of clinical, genomic, and patient-reported data that can be widely um, shared across uh, the, the world community for uh, patients, for scientists, for researchers, um, for industry, everyone to be able to access and utilize. And I think, uh, importantly, this is not kind of firewalled based on a publication that comes from our team, but really shared recurringly as it's generated. And so it's really kind of a different model of science in that regard as well. Uh, we're primarily funded at this point through private philanthropy that's directly um, given to the Broad Institute. And it's exciting that uh, with all the positive response, we're really getting more opportunities to continue to grow. And we've really set, I think, what are ambitious goals and, and somewhat of an open-ended timeline. So the plan as long as we can continue to do this, is to enroll patients and gather uh, more data and new types of data over time until we've determined that scientifically there seems to be really no no benefit or we've kind of plateaued with what we've what we think we can be able to discover. But given all the nuances and as previously mentioned, the the various uh, different experiences to given treatments and the experiences over time, some people developing this disease uh, very early, some people um, 
kind of very late. Uh, it, it seems like there's a lot of kind of subpopulations of patients that once we've aggregated these very large number, we're able to ask new types of meaningful scientific questions that with smaller groups um, we weren't able to. So really this speaks to the power, I think, of the big data that we are hoping um, to continue to generate and to share. So it's not really a, a static project by any means. And I think it additionally is, you know, data as I think many scientists would think about it in terms of um, you know, specific sequencing information uh, about patients tumors uh, and profiles, and in some cases, profiles over time. Uh, but additionally, um, the clinical information is, is very rich and, as said, has been abstracted um, through kind of deep analysis of individual medical records, um, which when you kind of print out and stack on a table can be overwhelmingly large. And I think we want to make sure that the experience that people have had um, really can be maximally um, beneficially exposed to the research community to interrogate and learn as much as we can from. And so we're, we're excited to kind of bring that kind of data. Furthermore, I think um, as you can see, if you look at some of our uh, existing data that's already shared, for example, on the CBIO portal platform, um, we also have data that comes directly from patients. So patient reported data is how we refer to this. And it's in some cases about their specific clinical experience. And over time, we're hoping to build out more information that gets beyond just demographics and stats, but really speaks more about um, other aspects of their experience um, with this disease that people could benefit from hearing about, learning about, and that scientists could in interrogate to identify, again, kind of interesting subpopulations. And these are really informed um, patients we found when we compare kind of their um, information about when they developed this disease or what treatments they've been on to individual medical, medical records, it's incredibly accurate. And so luckily people know themselves well. And so it's kind of a nice way to get, again, um, additional data, types of data complementing this research that, again, everyone can utilize. And obviously it's still early days on this project and we've really been focusing on showing that this kind of proof of concept model of new type of research really works. And, and now we're really continuing to expand. And we have, um, you know, a team here, some of which are people dedicated to kind of diving in to analyze this data directly ourselves. But as mentioned, we share this on a recurring basis. So all researchers in the world can really access the same data that we're using too. And we're confident that this model will hopefully generate as many exciting discoveries that are possible to come from this data. And so um, we know that some of those discoveries will be made outside of this team and outside of Boston and outside of the Broad or Dana-Farber. And that to us is still incredibly successful and we'd be thrilled for that to be the case. So we hope that um, people can, can utilize this data and also over time really we want to continue to engage scientists and clinicians to understand what kind of new data or information would be useful uh, for for them to kind of be able to work with to really accelerate discoveries in this disease. Well, we're helping to get the word out now. <laughs> How many people um, at the Broad are currently sort of working either full-time or part-time in specifically on this project? That's, that's a great question. So we have a team that's now grown to about 10 people working on kind of a suite of projects. So this and other projects that have been launched um, in response to the great feedback that we've had. But that 
you know, doesn't include all the people that are, you know, part of our communications department and you know, sequencing platform, right, the sequencing platform, and our tech team, and people at Dana Farber that are involved. And so, it's it's hard. That's always a hard question to answer. We have a core group of about ten, but really many, many other people who are are very heavily involved and very, very much a part of the project. Great. What has been the reaction generally um, from the clinical and scientific community uh, when you talk to, to clinicians or researchers? Yeah, so people are, I think, really excited about this new model of research. So we hear pretty frequently from different people um, around the country and around the world who are really starting to think about whether starting a similarly modeled project in their specific clinical research area might also be beneficial um, as well. So that's really exciting even if they aren't specifically researchers in metastatic breast cancer or in treatment resistance. Um, just the overall concept, I think, is exciting to people in the scientific and clinical community. And I think furthermore, people kind of more within the field of metastatic breast cancer and for whom some of this data might be uh, even more relevant, I think we've gotten great feedback on, you know, these recurring data releases. And I think people appreciate that, um, you know, part of the aim of this project is really to openly share and, and partner with patients, but just generally with the research community at large. And so the fact that we're really putting all the data that we generate out there, I think, has really gotten positive feedback. And, and again, as I said, we're excited over time as we generate even more, more data uh, to be able to get feedback on how to continue to refine and improve what we're obtaining and, and where and how we're sharing this data so that, again, everyone can maximally access, use, and interrogate everything we have. I couldn't agree more. That's a really excellent plan that you have, and I'm, uh, I'm glad that everything is, is shared and open. How, can you speak to how you've been using social media in your campaign? I know you have a Twitter account. You mentioned Facebook. Um, do you think this sort of project was um, massively helped by social media? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, we have the, the Facebook and Twitter, as you mentioned. We also have an Instagram account. And I think, honestly, us sharing information that is then shared by patients and by advocacy partners and by others in the community has really been the way that the word has been spread about this project. So as we mentioned earlier, it's really been this organic growth. We use social media, but we've never paid for any advertising campaigns, for example but we kind of share information along the way that we're learning. So from the start of the project, patients sign up and fill out an optional survey, and most people fill it out. We have about a 98% response rate to these optional 16 questions where people tell us about wow. cancer. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, telling us about their cancer experience and treatments. And so from the start, even before we had you know, saliva samples and tissue samples and medical records in-house, we started sharing information about what we were learning. So about the cohorts of patients that were signing up, about you know, who, how people were diagnosed, when they were diagnosed, you know, different age cohorts, things that we were learning in terms of what medications people were on and on for long periods of time. So I think that's the way that we really use social media is to try to share as much as we can, try to be as transparent as we can in terms of what we're learning, you know, what's new in the project. And I think we another thing that we are focusing more on now but have done as well over the last couple of years is really sharing what's meaningful to the patients and what information they share with us. So if it's okay, I'd love to read a couple quotes that we have from patients that we've gathered from feedback. Please do. 
So these are just a couple things from, again, these are people, we didn't ask them for these quotes, but they shared them themselves on social media. Um, and it just shows really the amazing response that we've had. So I'll read a couple of these. I want to live and watch my children grow up, but if I can't, then I want to leave a legacy and a cure. As someone who does not live near a research center and therefore cannot easily participate in trials, I finally feel like I can contribute. Amazing how happy that little box makes you feel. I feel like a two-year-old. Let me help. I feel a sense of pride and belonging because of this. Giving us hope for the future, and if not for some of us, for our families. This project gives us hope that future generations, our children and grandchildren, will not have to face the same diagnosis that we have. So these are just a couple, and I, I apologize, I get a little teared up reading these because they're so powerful. And again, these are many people who are treated in community settings who have never been asked to participate in research. And I think it really speaks to the partnerships that we have with patients and how meaningful it is for them to be asked to participate. And it's really amazing opportunity for us uh, to collectively this team and um, even pe other people at the Broad Institute in Boston area and people that learn about this project to work on something that's so mission driven and human connected and, and hopefully kind of breaking down some existing barriers that we have in science and research um, and people's ability to access medical records. And so we're really hoping that um, this is kind of a project that is, of course, scientifically based and, and motivated to to tackle this disease and to improve people's lives, but it's also, you know, really an overall movement and testament to kind of human empowerment. And so we're excited um, that this project and other projects that stem from it and, and are um, driven by the lessons we've learned in setting this up uh, will really kind of change the landscape, not just of diseases and treatments, but the way that people think about um, getting engaged and taking an active role in, in kind of um, being involved in something that's very meaningful. And so everyone on the team is um, really thrilled to, to work hard at this every day. No, you're absolutely right. Um, as a researcher, it is, it is always about the patients and it's so lovely to hear uh, how involved and excited in particular they are uh, and how helpful. Um, you mentioned these other projects. Um, can you comment briefly on um, how many have evolved from this and how many are in the pipeline and you know how how that's going yeah absolutely so i think brett mentioned earlier that we really thought of the mbc project as proof of concept you know showing that this method of par patient partnered research works and so obviously we've had an incredible response and because of that we've really been able to launch additional projects in other cancers so we launched the angiosarcoma project in march 2017 um, angiosarcoma is a rare cancer of the blood vessels with only about 300 patients diagnosed per year in the U.S. And since then, we've already had over 300 signups. So again, really speaks to the power of, you know, this method of research to get that many people engaged so quickly. And then we also launched the Metastatic Prostate Cancer Project in January of 2018, so just a few months ago, and already have over 450 people who've registered. And now we're gearing up to launch the gastroesophageal cancer project in the coming months. And we expect that there will be, we'll be launching many more of these um, in the coming years, just trying to really accelerate our understanding of, of cancer and, and possibly other diseases. That's incredibly exciting and I, I wish you the best of luck with it. Uh, I'm a prostate cancer researcher myself, so um, I look forward to, to that data. Um, 
Just so we, as we wrap up, was there anything else about the project that we didn't touch upon that you wanted to talk about? Or um, do you have a message maybe for, for our listeners uh, in Europe? So um, our primary listeners are early career researchers, um, clinicians, but also postdocs, um, maybe junior group leaders, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, although, you know, we are clearly uh, speaking to you from the United States, I mean, we want the impact of this project and the data that it generates to to be global. And so we would absolutely love to um, hear from uh, scientists and researchers, especially at these kind of um, key career stages that you're mentioning, um, based on kind of the data that comes from the MBC project and other projects uh, under this umbrella moving forward. Um, so if you have ideas about, um, you know, what could be useful or, or what has been useful, or if you want to kind of talk to us in more detail about um, the data that we're sharing and generating, we would absolutely love to hear from you. And we continue to think about, um, you know, new directions in terms of kind of working with patients and, as we mentioned, expanding the scope of patient-reported data to do additional follow-up surveys, um, you know, a little bit about family history and other kind of disease and treatment status information that has not yet been captured. And so um, I think we, we're excited to think about that and continue to also, since this is kind of really a groundbreaking project, think about how we can explore, you know, new outreach methods. So although we've kind of um, tapped into social media, we want to reach kind of all the populations that represent people impacted by this disease and, and frankly, people in humanity. So we're, we're hoping to um, continue to um, have more approaches, more in some cases kind of direct boots on the ground in, in kind of um, more rural communities and, and in underrepresented communities and, and working together with, with partners to think about other languages that we can, um, you know, launch our website and our resources in, again, to make the, um, the impact of this this project and, and our projects kind of reach more widely, um, both for patients and for researchers. So if anyone listening to this podcast is, you know, excited about what you've heard, we encourage you to check out our website. It's www.mbcproject.org. There's a link to the data that's currently shared on CBioPortal, and we'd love to hear from you. So thanks, everybody, for, for listening. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for your time, Brett and Elena. For our listeners, uh, there are more Esmo Open podcasts available online and look forward to next time. Yeah.